0: The Roman Gabriel show. I've, I've, I've been to the hall of fame now, I think 10, 11 times to watch athletes that I was involved with or coaches to go in. When Bill Walsh went in, I went, Bill, very close to Fred, Sid Gilman had worked for me. And I, so I go, I go, when Sid goes in, you know, George Allen, uh, I close, you know, so I got, to, but I never really visualized myself being in that same position. So it's, uh, I deeply appreciated and, uh, but I boil it down to all the guys that made it possible. Hey, your dad and other players, you mentioned three hall of famer players without those guys, without, I said in my acceptance, without John Shire being the most valuable player in the Rose bowl, I probably don't get hired by the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't have the opportunity to be there and be with the likes of a Harold Carmichael and Ron Jaworski and Jerry Sizemore and Franklin master and Bill Berge, and all and, and, you know, and your dad for the last two years of his career. So, uh, uh, I'm deeply grateful for the contribution they made because I've always said to simplify it, players win games, not coaches. It's coaches' job to help them take advantage of and collectively put teams together so they can take advantage of their gifts. But uh, when it does happen to you and you share that experience with people and they're as happy about you going in as you are going in, it, it adds a, a real uh, deep sincerity to the relationship.
1: Welcome to a new edition of the Roman Gabriel Show. Coming in with me, he's newly crowned Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach Dick Vermeil. He led the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl in 1980, the Rams to the Super Bowl championship in 1999, then he was in broadcasting successfully with ABC and then came out of retirement with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's one of the best in the business, one of the great friends of my family. Enjoy this interview with Pro Football Hall of Fame head coach Dick Vermeil. Remember, for all things sports and entertainment, go to romangabrielshow.com. That's romangabrielshow.com or anywhere you get your podcast. Everybody, this is Roman Gabriel, host of the Roman Gabriel Show. You know, our mission is much larger than providing you an entertaining podcast. Our country faces an ongoing crisis of underage youth battling alcohol and drug addiction and a rising suicide rate. This problem impacts all of us and our families. Our nonprofit, the Sold Out Youth Foundation, has been my passion since 2003, impacting hundreds of thousands of middle and high school students, challenging them to an alcohol and drug-free life while providing a life-changing interactive online education platform, teaching students valuable life skills and success principles, equipping them to pursue their passion and dreams. I need your help. Our program is successful because of people just like you who financially support our movement. Please give safely and easily today by going to our website at soldouttv.com, that's soldouttv.com, and click on the red donate button. Or right now on your cell phone, Text sold out 20 to 484848. That's sold out 20 to 484848. All donations are 100% tax deductible. And believe me, any amount will help. Your generous gift can help one more child stay on the right path to health, wellness, and success. Thank you and be sold out.
2: Welcome to the Roman Gabriel Show. It's a Roman Gabriel Show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Roman goes up close and personal with high-impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at romangabrielshow.com. Now, here's your host, Roman Gabriel.
1: Welcome to a new edition of the Roman Gabriel Show. UCLA coach, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, Philadelphia Eagles, of course, and uh, this summer we got an opportunity to see him go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Coach, how are you? I'm doing fine, Roman. How are you? Awesome. Coach, first of all, uh, not too far removed. Uh, What an incredible week in Canton for you and your family, and to see you go into the Hall of Fame was uh, special for so many people. Tell me about your thoughts now.
0: Well, you know, it's still uh, a little bit hard for me to really believe it all did happen. And I know it did, but I keep thinking, God, this happened to me. What did I do to deserve this? And and be able to be honored like that and then share it with all your old friends. You know, we had, you were there, you know what I'm talking about? The party and everything, over 400 people there uh, had complete starting lineups from my Ram team, you know, and Chiefs and Eagles had that, you know, it just, and to see them. Uh, enjoy the overall experience together. It was a really, uh, uh, an overwhelming experience. Believe me.
1: How did it prepare you to have guys like Hero Carmichael, Tony Gonzalez, Isaac Bruce players that you coach where you had the opportunity to be a part of that weekend to see them go in, uh, had to be really special to see those guys as well. Right.
0: Oh, no question. You know, and I, I, I started in the league, as you know, 69. Okay as special teams coach and then went into college and then back to pros. And, uh, so I've, I've, I've been to the hall of fame now, I think 10, 11 times to watch athletes that I was involved with or coaches to go in. When Bill Walsh went in, I went, Bill, very close to Fred, Sid Gilman had worked for me. And I, so I go, I go, when Sid goes in, you know, George Allen, uh, I close, you know, so I got to, but I never really visualized myself being in that same position. So it's, uh, a deeply appreciated. And, uh, but I boil it down to all the guys that made it possible. Hey, your dad and other players, you mentioned three hall of famer players without those guys, without, I said in my acceptance, without John Shire being the most valuable player in the Rose bowl, I probably don't get hired by the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't have the opportunity to be there and be with the likes of a Harold Carmichael and Ron Jaworski and Jerry Sizemore and Franklin Master and Bill Berge and all, and, and, you know, and your dad for the last two years of his career. So, uh, Uh, I'm deeply grateful for the contribution they made because I've always said to simplify it, players win games, not coaches. It's coaches' job to help them take advantage of and collectively put teams together so they can take advantage of their gifts. But uh, when it does happen to you and you share that experience with people and they're as happy about you going in as you are going in, it it adds a a real uh, deep sincerity to the relationship.
1: Coach Dick Vermeil, right here on the Roman Gabriel Show, and Coach, I want to bring our audience in on this because for those that have never been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, it, it's a bucket list for a lot of people. It's an incredible place. Uh, but what really was cool is I I've been to uh, many you know parties and celebrations, Super Bowl, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, I was at Tony Gonzalez's event uh, a few years back after he threw his party at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but. Coach, I, I had this said to me by so many of your players and so many that were at that party that night. I don't think I've ever seen that many players in one room. Um, I think we had what eight Hall of Famers in the room that night, yeah, and right. you did something really special. Um, you had your high school football team that was there, which was which was really cool, and you took photos with them with all the eagles that were there, all the rams that were there, all the chiefs that were there. And that was special. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that.
0: Well, you can imagine how special it made me feel, you know, to share those experiences. And then at the end of the evening, you know, they were closing up the bar where they announced, you know, it's time to close down this country club. It was about quarter to one or so Trent green and Kurt Warner, put microphones in the hand and had me come up and stand between them. we're about maybe 45 50 people left in the group and they spent a few minutes and it was uh just one of the i don't know if i ever experienced such a wonderful feeling uh that was generated in that room and created by those two guys a hall of famer on one side of me and a an all pro on the other side and Both guys have made it because of hard work and determination and respect for leadership and and, uh, unselfishness and and all the great attributes of great people, regardless of being quarterbacks. You know, it was really an unbelievable experience. Yesterday, we celebrated my wife's birthday and the kids were over here and they talked about that moment. They talked about that time of those two guys standing there with the rest of us and, and just talking about my career and their careers and uh it was you know an experience i'll I'll never duplicate and had never duplicated before
1: you know in talking to so many of your players coach over the years one of the things that you just mentioned you know your your wife what an incredible asset she has been as you guys being a team in terms of coaching and in terms of her having an impact on players and You guys are so much more than just coach and wife and what a lot of guys tell me is just how special she is and I thought that night at at your party when she was recognized and there was a standing ovation from all the players and that was not that was impromptu so talk to me about your wife and about the impact she's had on your players over the years.
0: Well, the first thing, Roman, a lot of my guys that really know me well, okay. In fact, I'm due to go to uh, Montana this Thursday with Franklin Mastro, my inside linebacker, El They say, God, how could any woman live with you for 66 years? (laughs) And of course, they're teasing me, but they have great admiration for her. And uh, she's been involved in my career ever since I started as assistant high school coach in 1959 so she was always involved with the kids and making cakes or cupcakes for the best player that week or something all the way into parties at the house and uh these kinds of things and then position dinners uh you know in the off season we'd have all right all the linebackers and wives are significant others all right all next week it's quarterback and wide receivers over and it's amazing what you learn about people nfl players college kids Uh, over a dinner table that you don't learn in a meeting room or on the practice field or in your own office it's amazing so she the players knew she was involved and you know when I introduced her at the end of my acceptance speech she got a standing ovation for all my players you know and uh, uh, that's uh, I don't think that's ever been done before you know like I said she had no equal because she was deeply involved in my career you know she was like an assistant coach, but in a different area.
1: Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Dick is here on the Roman Gabriel Show, romangabrielshow.com. And uh, coach, you know, for them out there, you know, there's a very uh, special dinner that happens uh, that happened on Friday night, the gold jacket dinner, uh, which yeah. I've had the opportunity to. First of all, at the luncheon that you guys did, um, I don't know. If, If it ever, I ever get over it being a football fan and being a part of the NFL, you know, with my father and playing the game myself and all the years, talk to the fans about how special that is to be in the room in a luncheon like that with all of those pro football hall of famers.
0: Oh my God. Well, coming up like I did Roman through the high school, junior college, college, and then into the NFL, you know, on Sundays, I always watch the NFL coaches coach, I always watch these NFL players play, and then to all of a sudden be in the same room with a butt jump, you as a young coach watch play, that built the league to be what it is today, and coaches that you admire, the Tom Landrys, the Don Shula's, and then you know, later the Bill Parcells, you know, Bill Walsh, my closest friend at the time, uh, it, I always always ask myself, I don't know if I belong with all these guys, I held them with such high esteem and and respect for them you know and then to all of a sudden find yourself in the same room being honored as they were honored uh is very touching experience and i remember walking the gauntlet oh yeah when they introduce you there i mean it's going high-fiving and getting hugs from guys that i coached against i watch play that are that are having a hard time standing on both bad knees you know it's uh But also what highlighted it for me was to be able to have all three of my NFL starting quarterbacks on the stage when Carol put the jacket on. You know, that had never been done before. And uh, I've gotten a lot of positive comments from former players and fans that how uh, much they enjoyed seeing those three guys on the stage with me.
2: Hey, this is Nick Ruffini from Revoice Media, and I'm the executive producer of The Roman Gabriel Show. We got involved with this show because we realized that Roman has a passion for educating the next generation, and we need your help. We need you to be a donor and go to soldouttv.com and donate, whether it's one time or an ongoing basis. Please help us educate the next generation by becoming a donor. Go to soldouttv.com and click donate.
1: And remember... You can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating. Text SOLD OUT 20 to 484848. That's SOLD OUT 20 to 484848 and help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free.
2: Welcome to the Roman Gabriel Show. It's a Roman Gabriel Show throwback with host Roman Gabriel. Roman goes up close and personal with high-impact difference makers from the world of sports and entertainment. Get more exclusive content at romangabrielshow.com. Now, back to the Roman Gabriel Show.
1: Well, let's also talk about Carl Peterson, a guy that's been linked to you for so yeah. many years that you asked to present you yeah. uh, for the gold jacket. Uh, talk about your relationship with Carl, Coach.
0: Well, you know, Carl was on the staff at UCLA When I left the Rams working for Chuck Knox to go back to UCLA and be the head football coach. And uh, we had another three or four games to go because we were a good team and playoff team, and and, and so I just couldn't leave the Rams and go to work. So I had responsibilities I was getting paid for uh, within a good organization coached by Chuck Knox and staff. So uh, I kept seven of the ten assistant coaches on Pepper Rogers' staff at UCLA. Carl was one of, and, you know, Carl has a a doctorate from UCLA, smart guy. And I always loved to surround myself with people smarter than me. So I made him my administrative assistant. I made him my uh, director of scouting and and, uh, recruiting and summer job programs. Wow. And then also coach the wide receivers because, you know, he had multiple talents and it was a very smart decision. You know, I kept Terry Donahue. Finest coach ever, probably coached at UCLA. Okay, Dick Tomey should be in the Hall of Fame with uh, college football because he doesn't have a sixty percent win margin in the college. Who can't get in the Hall of Fame? I could not get in the College Hall of Fame with my NFL record. And then I show up to become the head coach and uh, bring Jim Moore with me. Okay, and later Bill McPherson, two outstanding football coaches that went on and had their own distinguished careers. Uh, we had a great coaching staff, and then we beat USC to go to the Rose Bowl. Then we upset Ohio State, who had beaten us. But all these things are based on luck and good decision-making and keeping people intact. You know, so many people, Roman say, well, I need my own people. I never felt that way. I never, I always kept people off the staff that I took over, thinking they will sooner or later will be my people, or they won't be on the staff the second year, one or the other. And invariably, I I always, some people, like I've already mentioned, uh, were just better coaches than I even thought they were when I asked them to stay. Okay. And and made contributions to my career that ended up putting me in the Hall of Fame.
1: So, you had a guy at your party I hadn't seen in a long time. It was so good to see him, John Shire. And, and, and oh, yeah. he was your quarterback at UCLA. People forget what an incredible talent and what a, what a year he had in that run to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And, Coach, tell me about the story about why you brought John Shira to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, and how, how that worked.
0: Well, actually, he, you know, we went to Canadian League, was the MVP in the Canadian League, but uh, Tampa Bay had the rights to him in the draft, and uh, John McKay knew how close I was to him because John Shira and J.K. Uh, McKay were personal personal friends, played high school football together. I, I remember. John McKay called me, good friend, said, would you like to have Chiron? And I said, you bet I'd like to have him. So we made a deal. Instead of him going to Tampa Bay, he came to Philadelphia. If it were today, uh, I would have used him more completely rather than just safety and punt returner because uh, he I could have substituted him in run pass options with direct snaps. What do they call that? That We we saw it on television yesterday. Each team has some version yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. He would have yeah, been yeah. special for that. That's right. And I I didn't have enough confidence in myself and not willing to, to be a little different at that time in the NFL and do that with him. I did make a short yardage quarterback out of him. We put him in one game and ran a play action pass and but the, but I should have built on that because he could throw the ball adequately and he could run like hell. You know, and he could have handled a minor role as, as a wildcat NFL player, you know, in the in the shotgun position. I didn't do it, but uh just one of the great leaders I've ever been around. Very successful in business, which is he has sold. Uh, just, just a wonderful human being. And like I said, if it weren't for John Shire, I wouldn't have been on the stage because I'd have never been hired by Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, It's just, it's amazing. But I, I've always boiled down to why I find myself in a successful position. And it always goes back to a few key decisions and a few key people. John Shire is a key key person in my Hall of Fame induction. The
2: Roman Gabriel Show. The Roman, Roman Gabriel Show.
1: Coach Dick Vermill is with us on the Roman Gabriel Show, romangabrielshow.com. and so let's move forward to the Eagles' coach. Um, Eagles uh, had been a team that had floundered for many years, had not won a championship for so many years, the Van Brocklin Championship in the '60s, but you had the opportunity to come into an Eagles team and, and help turn it around. So talk to me about uh, that experience coming into the Eagles and how your time with the Rams and with uh, George Allen prepared you for that.
0: Well, you know, George Allen introduced me to the NFL system, the NFL organization, the NFL practice routine, and all those kind of things. And then I worked for Tommy Prothro when they let uh, – uh, George Allen go, became the head coach. I had gone to UCLA to be his offensive coordinator. Then he brings me to be the offensive coordinator of the Rams, which I really wasn't experienced enough to do yet. And your dad helped me so much. He tolerated inexperienced coaching. And, and he, he did some good things in those times. But, uh, and then I go back to UCLA and be the head coach. And then I come to Philadelphia. And uh, we have no first or second or third round draft choices the first two years no first or second round draft choices in the third year. And they'd been losing. So, that had something to do with I, I, my dad, right? Yeah.
1: That was well, at the time with the biggest trade in NFL history when he went to Philadelphia, right? Yeah,
0: that was before me. Uh, yeah, that was, a, uh, that was the year before I got there or two years before I got It was 73, when, or, uh, 74 when he went to the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. And a trade, uh, Mike McCormick brought him there. He knew what he's doing. Your dad had a great year. Actually, he threw his highest percent complete for Mike McCormick in that, that season. Did a great job. But anyway, he was there at the end of his career with me for two years and and actually started four games uh in place of finally I uh, Mike Barilla wasn't performing like I thought he ought to put your dad in and he finished the season then he then he helped me get Jaworski ready to play the next year. But uh and uh, you know I knew we could not build a football team the NFL way when I got there because we didn't have any draft choices. So I decided to go back to a college approach and coach each position as if he was a rookie, regardless if he was a good player, bad player, or a free agent or what. And uh, the practices were longer. The practices were tougher. Instead of during the regular season, having offensive day, then defensive day, then combination day, special teams and play, we had offensive day, defensive day, special teams, play every day. So it made the practices longer. But it helped us develop players. And uh, the system worked. It was tough. and Not brutal, but tough. But I felt with the Marion Campbells and the Fred Brumies and these kind of coaches, working for me and uh, uh it really allowed us to develop mid-round draft choices college free agents and and turn them into good football players you know and uh, and good team and, and a work ethic that our super bowl team in 1980 gave up 48 points in the fourth quarter okay wow in 16 games 48 points in a quarter in a, in a we were a, 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 a we'd beaten the world champions of uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in 79 when they were undefeated and had been world champions. We were developing a whole frame of mind of how to prepare, how to play, and how to win. And it worked, uh, they sort of wore out, it caught up with us because later those guys that were developed got older.
1: Coach Dick Vermeule with us on the Roman Gabriel show, and uh. So, Coach, you know, there's so many uh, impactful players on that Rams team. That night at your party, it was so good to see everybody because uh, I'm going to share a photo that we're going to put up um, in the locker room after that win uh, with the Rams. And, you know, the thing I love about having the opportunity to give people insight into things that they've never seen before is, I remember in the locker room after you guys won that game, in the Super Bowl, being in there, uh, what a what a special time that was. And you had so many talented players on that team. But the loyalty that people show towards you, there were, there were so many Philadelphia Eagles players from that Super Bowl team at 80 that were outside of that locker room that night, greeted you when you came out, and you'd have thought they won the Super Bowl
0: that night. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, and I wanted them to feel they were part of it. They were part of my learning process. They were the reason I was given the opportunity again to coach the NFL because they did so well. They collectively did so well. Yeah. And and living in Philadelphia like I do out in the country, of course. But I, I see my guys, I call them my guys often. We do things together. Like I said, Frank and I are going to Montana together Thursday. Okay. i saw I see Bill Berge. I see Harold Carmichael. I see these guys all the time. You know.
1: Real quick answers here. I'm gonna throw some players' names out and you give me uh some words from your side. Harold Carmichael.
0: Great player. I think he's the guy that established and showed people that, that there was no such thing as an uncatchable ball. He, he started people catching the uncatchable ball.
1: And uh, here, here's a guy that really changed things for you for the Rams, Marshall Falk. Gift. Yeah. <laughs>
0: He didn't need as many people blocked to be successful. He can still be successful carrying the ball. think it's extremely elusive. A guy who got you to the Super Bowl, Ricky Prohl. Yeah. Most unheralded player I ever coached, okay? He could play. He was our leading receiver in, uh, in 98. Yeah, fine player, great person, was a good football coach, left coaching to run his own business. Bill
1: Berge, Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Uh, he became the cornerstone, the the flag bearer, like in the old Civil War days, the guy who carried the flag. Your best player on your team became your best worker and biggest advocate. Uh uh that was Bill Berge for me.
1: Tony Gonzalez.
0: Gifted. M- serious, serious, bright, bright, serious, uh, truly hated to lose type guy. Kurt Warner. Uh probably the, the most successful unheralded NFL player in the history of the NFL, okay? He, he came from nowhere. He came from being the most valuable player on the scout team voted by the defensive team in 1998 to the most valuable player in the league, okay, after 1999. No has ever done that before and probably will never be done again.
1: Coach, what gave you so much confidence in Kurt Warner, that famous speech in the final preseason game where you walk up and say, we're going to rally behind Kurt Warner?
0: Well, first off, you know, when you don't coach a position as a head coach and you're watching everything that goes on in the practice field, he ran the scout team offense for the entire 1998 season. And I'm standing here watching him throw the ball, the opponent's offense against our defense, and I kept saying, Either our defense stinks or or this kid can play, okay? Because he just didn't throw incomplete passes. And then your normal coaching reaction, Roman, is, well, he probably can't do that for real. Running our offense in front of 70,000 people with a great pass rush or a great defense, probably can't do that. Wrong, he could do it. (laughs) But just the experience of watching him daily as a head coach and not watching everybody and seeing him do what he was doing – gave me the confidence he could play well. I did not know he could play as well as he did. The Super
1: Bowl game, one of the most exciting Super Bowls in the history of the NFL. uh, Talk me through that last play down by the goal line.
0: Well, you know, as a coach, and you've been on the sideline, you know, that's the worst seat in the house when it gets to the end zones. And you're looking down there, I couldn't see anything. I knew the ball was thrown. I knew it was caught. I didn't know if he did score or not score. I just heard crowd noise. So I walked out and I looked down the sideline I saw the side judge walk in. I was waiting for him to either cross his hands below his, by his knees or put his hands up over his head for a touchdown. As soon as he uh, waved his hands, you know, crossing them in front of his knees, I knew he didn't score and we won the football game. And, uh, uh, that is just, uh, you know, I don't like I've said many times. I don't have a gifted enough vocabulary to put into words the feelings you have as a coach in that situation, especially when it came down to like you said, one play. You know. And Mike sure. Jones, I'll be Mike Jones sat behind me at the gold jacket dinner. <laughs> there, like I said, without Mike making that tackle, I'm not wearing a gold jacket. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Coach did for me with his final moments on the Roman Gabriel show, Roman Gabriel And you and I have talked about this before, uh, but I want fans, Rams fans, to, to to hear this. Um, you told me one time, and you've told others, that you wish you would have come back the next year with the Rams to see if you guys could repeat and that you regretted um retiring uh after that
0: Super Bowl win. Talk right. to me
1: about what went into that and why you felt that way.
0: Well, first off, I know most head coaches that experience great success end up getting fired. Just study the just study it, okay? George Allen got fired, okay, twice. Okay, Tom Landry got fired, Bill Parcells got fired. The guys get fired and uh here I am with an opportunity to go out in a career on top and still have years to live uh, and not be concerned about the end of the career feel uh, Ending up negative. So that's one of it. The other thing, my family wanted me home, you know, yeah, dad, you've got gotten everything you wanted to do done. Now, come on home. We need you at home. You know, I had grandchildren being born around us and, and living within miles of our place and uh, those kind of things. And, and I, you know, the other thing is I didn't want to be involved in cutting that squat. Because all of a sudden you got free agency. You're going to lose guys. You're going to have to cut these guys. You know, I, I do. I, I wasn't excited about cutting somebody I really cared about that provided a Super Bowl win for me. So those things all added up. So I go, you know, I went home. I invited back to, to hand out the Super Bowl rings in May. And I'm handing out the rings. And I've said to, to myself, oh, my God, why? And what what did I do? Why did I leave? Here I'm handing Super Bowl rings to guys that I helped bring to the team and mold into a team, and I'm not part of them anymore. It gave me an empty feeling. Now, I didn't think I would go back even at that time, but when Carl Peterson came after me, he started calling me. I told him not to bother coming to Philadelphia because I'm not going back into coaching, but because I had a great relationship with Carl and, and great respect for Lamar Hunt because I knew Marty Schottenheimer and coached for him, and I, I knew how, how Marty felt about him. I decided to do it. Plus, I found out when I was home, the kids' counters were busier than mine. I had time to be with them and they had volleyball games, soccer games, basketball games, football games. Hell, they were never home. So they couldn't they would couldn't adjust their schedule to fit mine. So anyway, I went back and I'm so grateful. For the opportunity uh, to be being Kansas City. It's a great city. Lamar Hunt family was wonderful to work for. Always disappointed. I was didn't do a good enough job to, to hand Lamar Hunt the, the Lamar Hunt trophy. You know, we had a, we had two teams who were good enough to go to the Super Bowl and we didn't get there. The opportunity to coach on every level really helped me better understand each level of coaching that I was in, especially as I advanced, because I coached. These guys that I coached the NFL all at one time were high school players, you know, and so I I had been through that whole wide range from 16 years old to 38 years old. And I think it helped me gain a deeper. Compassion for the players, but I think that 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 process really helped me be a better, better coach uh, and better respect what it takes to play the game at the level the NFL plays it at.
1: Coach, it's been a pleasure having you on the Roman Gabriel Show. I look forward to talking to you soon, and thank you for the time today.
0: Thank you. Take care. Give my love to your dad. I will. Thanks, Coach.
1: Thanks so much for listening to the Roman Gabriel Show. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And remember, you can help us at the Sold Out Youth Foundation by donating text sold out 20 to 484848. That's sold out 20 to 484848. And help us help your students to stay drug and alcohol free.
2: The Roman Gabriel Show is produced in partnership with Revoice Media. Executive producers Roman Gabriel and Nick Ruffini, audio editing by Justin Thomas, and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music, entertainment, and sports podcasts, check out RevoiceMedia.com. Listen to the Roman Gabriel Show show at RomanGabrielShow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.